hometown mornings, news, and views. Comments and opinions expressed are of the host, guests, and callers, and do not necessarily reflect those of Sunrise Broadcasting. Your participation is welcome. The Hometown Morning Hotline is now open at 715-298-9888. And when calling, please turn your radio down. And now, this morning's edition of News and Views. And right now... We are joined for News and Views today from the MacGyver Institute, MacGyverInstitute.com, Brett Healy. Brett, thanks so much for making the time to join us today. Thanks, Oliver, for having me on. Well, um, I remember a song that uh, we may play elsewhere here on Cool Oldies. Uh, Don't get to listen all day long. Days of Future Past, Moody Blues. And I'm just reminded of this as I look at the budget. And as we decide whether or not we're going to have any attempts to override the budget, it is days of future past because this budget is not, and, and the issues with it, you're, you, you've taken a look at it, MacGyver Institute. You said it's not a great budget, but it's a good budget. What makes it good in your estimation, Brett Healy? Well, it's a fundamentally sound budget. You start with uh, there are no increases in the individual income tax, corporate tax, sales tax, no increase in retirement taxes. So for a fiscal conservative, you always have to start there. And this budget, Governor Walker once again uh, meets his pledge of no tax increases in his budget. Uh, and then you start to look at some of the other items that are in this budget. No gas tax increase, no general auto, auto registration fee increase, another property tax freeze, saving the average homeowner almost $3,000 since 2011, a tuition freeze. We actually eliminate two taxes in this budget. And uh, if you take a second and think about that, how rare that is in government to actually eliminate a tax. For fiscal conservatives, this is really important. Uh, If we ever want to get our arms around the size and scope of government, we have to restrain the amount of money coming in to fund the government. And so eliminating two taxes is a good step in that direction. The forestry mill tax is gone, saving taxpayers $180 million. The AMT tax is gone. Uh, Prevailing wage is fully repealed in this budget. We eliminate the local government uh, property insurance fund, so we eliminate a program entirely. Um, part of the personal property tax, which small businesses pay to the local government, is gone, uh, saving $75 million. So there's a lot to like in this budget. Is it perfect? No. The spending increase is too much, uh, and there's some other problems in this budget. But overall, it's a good budget. Well, I, I, I'm going to take issue with that characterization, not because I want to be argumentative, Brett, but I'm looking at the things, and maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I don't get how budgets should work. And if it's time for me to go to school, Brett Healy, <laughs> the classroom <laughs> is now open, the bell is ringing, and Pavlov's dogs are <laughs> salivating. We didn't solve a fundamental problem with transportation. We still have significant challenges, even though more money's been funneled to education, and probably in part because of the feds, we have totally not been able to address things with Medicare. Where am I wrong, Brett Healy, about those things making it something less than a good budget? Well, transportation, uh, it comes down to this fundamental question. Do you think 
spend enough of your hard-earned money from the gas tax and the gas tax and auto registration fee for our roads, bridges, and other transportation infrastructure. We spend roughly six billion dollars over the two-year cycle on transportation needs, and uh, you have to ask yourself. Uh, do you think we need to spend more than $6 billion over two years? Um, eliminating the prevailing wage at the local level is going to help in this area. It artificially inflates the cost of government construction projects. So eliminating prevailing wage will help us uh, spend our transportation dollars uh, more efficiently. And then you have to look at exactly what are we spending our money on and as you know, Oliver, we listed out on the MacGyverInstitute.com website uh, a, a long list of questionable transportation spending. And our point there was is maybe before we go to taxpayers and ask them for more money out of their pockets, maybe we need to take a long look at what we're spending our current transportation money on. And we came up with a lengthy list of questionable spending in short order. Uh, so I think if we are serious about solving this long-term, as you put it, I think first we need to have that conversation and let's do a better job of prioritizing what we spend our current gas tax monies on before we ask for more. Now, after implementing some of these uh, savings, some of these reforms at the DOT, if we still think we need more than $6 billion over two years for our transportation infrastructure, then let's have the conversation about the gas tax increase. It's a user fee, which uh, all of us should be comfortable with. If you use the roads, you're paying for it. So um, I think uh, this will be a good time between now and the next state budget where we'll see the new DOT secretary, Secretary Ross, able to implement some uh, changes within the department, prevailing wage repeal will take hold. And then when we come up to the next budget, the 1921 budget, we'll have another conversation about whether or not we think we need to spend more than $6 billion in transportation. I, I know it's my show, but I always ask this respectfully. Permission to respond. Here's, here, here's my problem, Brett. And this is why, because you've served in legislature, you, you're closer to these things. We're still borrowing $400 million. We still have situations like the creation of this commission and hundreds of new jobs to oversee. We've got parts of projects that are left unfinished that, to my mind, even though I'm not in the southeastern part of the state. And, Brett, I realize that when Milwaukee or Madison sneeze, the rest of the state's buys facial tissue. Okay, I get that part of it. But it just seems to me that fundamentally... We may have made incremental improvements, but I'm not sure it's enough because, although I think Dave Ross is trying to do some very significant things, he's up against a blessed bureaucracy that I think is the worst in the state or right up there with the DNR. Am I out of line, Brett? Well, uh, there certainly are uh, examples to point to that uh, support your your point of view. Uh, in regards to the, the bonding, the $400 million in new transportation bonding, that's the lowest it's been in many, many years. And so bonding uh, in the transportation budget and overall is heading downward. So we're going to borrow less than we have in the past to pay for our roads. Every state, a lot of 
units of government borrow to pay for transportation infrastructure, so we're not out of line there. Uh, the question is, you know, is our bonding level too high for how much we bring in through the gas tax or gas tax or auto registration fee increase? Assembly Republicans are adamant that it is. Uh, if you take a look around, a couple of uh, reports that we found discovered that uh, the recommended bonding level can go anywhere up to 25% of every transportation dollar and that would be within acceptable limits. But I agree, bonding should be uh, uh, as low as we can possibly get it for something like this. Um, so I, I think, you know, the important thing is that we now have another year and a half uh, where some of these changes can take hold. Uh, like you mentioned, Secretary Ross is doing his best. He's been able to uh, realized significant savings since he took over through uh, uh, lower than anticipated costs with road contracts. He saved tens of millions of dollars uh, by negotiating a better deal for certain projects. So that's positive. If that trend con continues, we could see significant savings here. The audit pointed to some significant savings that could be achieved if uh, they were fully implemented. So I, I I like the idea that we we give Secretary Ross some time, we allow some of these reforms to take hold, and we see how much money they save, and then we can have that conversation again about whether or not we need to increase the gas tax. Just one more comment before we take a break, Brett. I've talked to people locally about budgeting, and this is my concern. They say it's three months of panic and nine months of forgetting, and that's on the annual basis. So I guess I haven't a lot of optimism that this will get looked at and fundamentally addressed going forward. You are a more optimistic man than I, Brett Healy. <laughs> fair, fair. Well, I, I, think, I think the last two budgets have been delayed because of the transportation budget. So, And I think everyone involved is going to keep on this 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 subject, this fundamentally important subject to our state and to our economy. So I'm, I know that we're going to be right back here in two years, and we're going to have this conversation again. That's what's great about our democracy. It's great about our system. We, the people, get to decide if we want a higher gas tax or auto auto registration fee. Uh, and uh, I guess we'll have that debate in the 2019 budget cycle. We need to take a break right now. When we come back, I'm thinking of the old uh, Clint Eastwood movie. We've talked about the good. We'll talk a little bit about the bad and maybe even the ugly. Again, this is News and Views. Brett Healy, MacGyverInstitute.com. We'll be back with more after this. For News and Views. And with us till the top of the hour for about another eight minutes, he is Brett Healy, president of MacGyver Institute, MacGyverInstitute.com. We talked, Brett, before the break about the good things in the budget, you said it wasn't great. What separated it from being great, if I may ask? Well, I think in general, for any fiscal conservative, uh, such a large uh, increase in spending is always a concern. Uh, we as fiscal conservatives are trying our best to limit the size and scope of government to actually reduce the amounts that a government spends in a budget, not increase it. So the $1.5 billion increase in all funds spending in this budget is a concern. That's a 2.1% increase. 
but I would note, you know, some of the other uh, indicators are down, bonding's down 27%, uh, positions are down compared to the, uh, the past budget. So uh, the spending increase is the biggest concern, clearly, in this budget. With the spending increase, is this because of new programs? Uh, I know that Matt Kittle and the other members of the MacGyver Institute team covered the uh, the increase in this shadowy bonding organization. That's uh, it's quasi governmental. The sort of the bonding source of last resort. Is that uh, is yeah. that one of the kinds of things, or is it just more money to the existing? Uh, I'm always reminded of one of my favorite uh, quotes from Casablanca at the end where the Vichy French police officer says, round up the usual suspects, Monami. Are these the usual <laughs> suspects, Brett? These are the usual suspects. The largest increase in spending in this budget is the K-12 education budget. Uh, Governor Walker proposed $640 million change uh, increase. The legislature dialed back that a little bit to 630 Six hundred thirty-nine million over the two What's years. What's a million so a, here or there, Brett? <laughs> rounding error, really. Uh, <laughs> so that's a that's a huge increase in K twelve uh, spending, and uh, we we think it was a missed opportunity. Really, if you're going to uh, increase K twelve uh, state support uh, that dramatically, uh, we would have hoped that we would have seen an effort to uh, further drive reform within. K-12 education, we still have 52,000 children in Wisconsin who attend a failing school. I don't think many people realize that, uh, but I think uh, uh, if you uh, take a step back, that's just shocking, quite frankly. That in this 62 age, percent, and, like and what defines a failing school, Brett, so everybody understands what that is? 52,000 kids oh, 52, attend a failing 52 school. or 62,000? 52,000. Okay, I just want to get the Five, number accurately. Yeah. Well, that's, that's by the metrics set up by the legislature, the governor, and DPI, uh, looking at all sorts of criteria, college preparation, how kids do on the standardized tests. So um, it's not like it's an outside uh, analysis right. uh, being forced upon the schools. They partake in this, and yet we still have that many kids in a failing school. So um, that was a missed opportunity in this budget. Uh, we could have asked our our children, our parents, our educators, our schools, all to do better uh, if we are going to give them this big of an increase in state support. And then, as you mentioned, the Public Financing Authority, that was a huge concern at the end that was inserted by the legislature uh, days before they passed the budget out of finance and onto the floor. Luckily, Governor Walker vetoed all of that language, so uh, it, is not, uh, it is, has not been enacted. Uh, but that was a huge concern. And then you also alluded to earlier the uh, the new staff at the Transportation Projects Commission. Again, as a fiscal conservative, anytime you create a new bureaucracy, that's a huge concern because we all know uh, right after deleting a tax, the next hardest thing to do in government is get rid of a government job. Uh, so thankfully, again, Governor Walker vetoed out that language, uh, and we will not see a new bureaucracy being created in this budget. Overall, from a policy standpoint, we've got about three and a half minutes left, Brett, and I want to explore this. Every budget has policy issues put into it. Many of them get at least identified. Some get ferreted out. 
did anything get past that is policy issues that became budgetary in order to uh, get the gang of three, the reluctant Republicans, as Matt Kittle calls them, to uh, come on board, or did they do more axing than asking? From what we can tell, they were asking for uh, assurances from the gov about vetoes, deleting stuff that they weren't comfortable with. Again, you mentioned the public financing authority. Several Republicans raised concerns about that. In fact, one Assembly Republican from the Waukesha area, Scott Allen, actually uh, determined his no vote on the budget solely on that provision. He was so concerned about it. Uh, there was also other concerns about the, the new bureaucracy at the TPC. Uh, some uh, of the, the three were concerned about the one-year delay in the repeal of the prevailing wage provision. Governor Walker vetoed that out, so that will start immediately. So uh, many of the... Uh, Many of the conservatives at the end were looking for uh, bad policy to come out of the budget before they were comfortable enough to vote for it. And we got past the bad. Was there anything really, really ugly that you looked at and said, I can't believe this happened? Well, I, I think we're for a while there, the, uh, the public finance authority language, giving the public financing authority a, the power of eminent domain, uh, any conservative is going to be concerned with the ability of government to uh, take your land for whatever reason they want. Thankfully, again, that came out. We're always concerned about pork or uh, parochial spending that's inserted into a budget. Uh, unfortunately, uh, most of that survived the veto process. So there was $100,000 for an art center in Monroe, Wisconsin. Uh, nothing against the good people of Monroe, but I'm not sure their art center raises to the level of statewide importance and needs uh, support from all taxpayers. So there are some things that made it through, uh, but in the grand scheme of things, uh, those those items are pretty minor compared to uh, the good in this budget. Well, Brett Healy, as always, MacGyver Institute, MacGyverInstitute.com, we uh, appreciate you joining us. And now that you're working on the new website, and we've got about 40 seconds left. What's the thing that the MacGyver Institute's going to start to look at next, if you want to tease it out a little? Well, I think we're going to follow up on the Public Finance Authority. Uh, even though some of the language vetoed out, the uh, entity itself is still on the books. We still need to figure out what exactly they do and whether or not it's an appropriate and critical mission of state government to have, as you put it, the this bond house of last resort for projects all over the country, not here in Wisconsin. So we'll be digging into that. Uh, we also will be looking uh, further into some of the welfare reform initiatives Governor Walker proposed in this budget and uh, tracking whether or not we can actually, as he likes to put it, move people from dependence to independence. Uh, obviously, that's one of the more important things that government could achieve if possible. So if we can uh, if we can come up with new ideas to to fix that problem, that would be a good thing for all taxpayers. Need to let it go there. Thank you. Playing the greatest hits of all time. Cool.